Welcome to Office Hours Teacher Spotlight, a social science podcast produced by the Society Pages at the University of Minnesota. Join us for conversations with sociological educators across the discipline as they share their insights and experiences about teaching sociology. In this episode, guest host Amber Joy chats with Courtney Bell, a high school teacher in North Minneapolis who was a candidate for the 2018 Minnesota Teacher of the Year Award. In a recent article by the Star Tribune, Bell talks about her work teaching sociology to high school students in her hometown. Here, Bell discusses how she encourages her high school students to see themselves as budding sociologists, how she keeps them engaged in sociological research methods, and how she uses lessons from sociology to build on what she calls emancipatory education. All right, well, welcome to the Society Pages Office Hours Teacher Spotlight. I'm your host, Amber Joy Powell, um, and today we're sitting down uh, with one of the Minnesota Teacher of the Year finalists, Courtney Bell. Um, She's going to sit here and and talk to us a little bit about how she teaches sociology to her high school students and how sociology can be used as a tool for social justice. So thank you for joining us today. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Great. Well, um, can you just sort of tell us a little bit about your background, about yourself and how you first came to sociology? Yes. So I am one of four children um, Mm -hmm. born on to my mother, Tasha Bell. And I like to look at her and call her a matriarch. She's the matriarch of the family and of my life. And I'm originally from Illinois, a small Mm -hmm. town in Illinois called Kankakee. But um, my mom relocated my siblings and I here to Minneapolis, specifically North Minneapolis, Um, when I was about four or five. Mm -hmm. And so I completed my entire education in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, I, I attended North high school specifically. Mm -hmm. And what led me to an interest in sociology as a, as a subject in general is, what I believe and what I experienced as inequality in my education um, and the inequalities that I, the stark inequality that I saw within my community. Um, I knew that it wasn't normal. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't accept that my family and all of my friends' families were poor. I didn't accept that to just be a fact of life. Mm -hmm. I didn't accept that, you know, my educational experience was not as well, um, well formulated, well carried out, or, um, just overall just, um, supplied or, Mm -hmm. yeah, for lack of better words, I knew that it wasn't normal, basically. And I always felt that as a student, my educational opportunities oftentimes came from outside entities, organizations such as TRIO and different um, student support services and programs like that that introduced me to a lot of different um, venues and a lot of different um, experiences, being a part of citywide student government, um, project success, just to name a few. Those were the entities outside of my education that I felt 
try to level the playing field for me, but the the typical experience in my education, and, and this is really just K-12, um, it was problematic. Mm-hmm. I felt that mediocrity was far too widespread in staff and teaching force, um, and I felt like the reason that it was accepted is because my peers and I were considered to be um, less than. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to the U in undergrad, um, I kind of stumbled upon sociology by accident. Um, but I always say that it was the most beautiful accident of my mm-hmm. life because I had started taking my liberal ed requirement courses and my trio advisor, um, who started off as um, Nate Whitaker and then became a man by the name of Harvey, who has now passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my last um, year as in trio student support services, I had um, Greg. And they, the classes that I ended up in were all like social science based. So like in my first year, I ended up taking um, ways of knowing in the social sciences, mm-hmm. um, people and problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my freshman writing course was race, class, and gender based. Mm-hmm. Um, I took cultural anthropology, um, introduction to um, psychology. So like the social sciences became forward very quickly for me. Mm-hmm. So it was anthropology, sociology, and psychology. And I thought, okay, well, I want to go to school for psychology. I'll be a psychologist, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll eventually go and get my PhD in psychology. But what I found with psychology was I felt it did not take into account the societal realities Mm -hmm. of individuals and their environments and sociology did and so sociology won it it helped me to understand the things that I always felt were not commonplace or normal it helped me to understand that they weren't and why they weren't Mm -hmm. um it helped me to understand the social construction of race Mm -hmm. and racism and how it was designed to um, create the very social degradation Mm -hmm. that myself and my community experienced on a regular basis. And I... I just took it and ran with it. It just mm-hmm. it it just lit my whole world up. And mm-hmm. from there, you know, once you're turned on, once your sociological imagination is turned on, you can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just took that and made it a career. And so coming into teaching, it was, it was a no brainer for me that I wanted to teach social studies. Yeah. And I knew that if I was going to teach, I only wanted to teach at my alma mater, which is North high school. I, that was, that was because I wanted to be the teacher that I didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be the teacher that I felt myself and my peers deserved. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be someone who looked like the students at the school so that Mm -hmm. they could see what it looks like to move beyond the community, Mm -hmm. but then to come back. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Well, you talked about teaching and um, that's, I wanted to to ask you a little bit more about that, about your experience teaching in the, at the high school level. What are some of the challenges you face? What are some of the, 
um, some of the benefits that you've got from from working at the high school level and, and teaching sociology to high school students? Mm-hmm. So originally I taught African-American history and human geography. Mm-hmm. Um, the African-American history course was written by um, Dr. Keith Mays and Dr. Yuich Onishi um, here at the U in the Afro Studies Department. Mm-hmm. And that's the course that I taught for my first three years of teaching. And then um, administration at my school came forth to the whole social studies department and said, well, you know, we need some more course offerings. So each of you should select a, a an elective that you would want to teach. And it was a no brainer for me. Sociology mm-hmm. was what I wanted to teach. And I thought that it was going to be a new course that was yeah. being introduced to the district. But I found out from the course catalog that it actually was a course that mm-hmm. had been offered and um, just in different schools. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't hard to get the course set up for me to teach it at North. But I would say that what was extremely beneficial and just some of the most beautiful things that came out of it is that my scholars are already sociologists. They're naturally sociologists because they are social beings that experience some of the gravest social oppressions. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the the stuff that, that makes sociology go round, mm-hmm. those social phenomena um, that, that sociologists pay their bills, Mm-hmm. from that that's the everyday happenings and experiences that is of my of my scholars mm-hmm. and so they just didn't have they just didn't have the vocabulary yeah or um like myself when I was a high school student they knew something they know something is amiss but they just don't necessarily know how to articulate it mm-hmm. and I won't even say that because they do know how to articulate it right but maybe not to, you know, sociological academic standards. Mm -hmm. And so that was my job. And that was the role that I played is in my, in in teaching the course at the high school level was, was helping them to understand the social construction of many of the social problems that they experienced that stem from race, racism, classism, um, you know, and just, the economic aspects, the historical, the political, helping them to understand that, giving them like that, that, um, the frameworks Mm -hmm. and then saying to them now apply these frameworks to the social problems or the social realities that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I chose to use the course as a, um, not only an introductory course to the subject matter, but also um, to introduce my scholars to research mm-hmm. and what it looks like to use um, and to fuel their research from something that they're passionate about that affects their lives mm-hmm. and that ultimately um, they have the power to, to shift or change right. and bring attention and awareness to. Right. I love that you that you refer to your students, especially your high school students, as scholars, mm-hmm. um, and that you're getting them to sort of draw on their own lived realities to sort of produce knowledge. One of the things I often hear teachers having a difficulty with is getting their students to be excited about research. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, I really wanted to ask you about that. Like, how did you get um, your group of scholars to, to be, to, to, to teach them research, but also to get them excited about it and get them engaged with uh, the sociological method. Yes. So 
It was actually very easy um, <laughs> because it was what they were interested in. They right. chose their own topics. Mm-hmm. So what what I find just in my teaching, because I teach from a very critical lens, I bring in CRT, critical race theory, into everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't just teach from that. I don't just teach it. I model it and then my scholars, they are already critical in their own right. And so, again, it's about the vocabulary. So then once they realize like this is a community, this is a space where you not only receive knowledge, but you create it. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I call them scholars mm-hmm. and they receive that. And so when you it's it's more than just a label. You know, it, it fosters, it fosters and, and revives or just builds upon what already exists, a, a, a belief in self and, and in one's ability mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. and to not just be a passive learner. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always tell my scholars, with everything you learn, you are responsible to teach. Mm-hmm. And so them doing their research they looked at as their way of teaching mm-hmm. others about what's going on, what what's at the root of what's considered to be these normative phenomena. Um, why why is it considered normative? Who does it affect? How does it affect mm-hmm. um, populations? Right, mm-hmm. and so um, what I find is that. As an educator, anything that you want your scholars to engage in, you have to be willing to teach them step by step how to do it. Mm -hmm. And being a doctoral student here at the U, I have had to learn the step by step process of conducting research. And so what I now translating that to the high school level, it it basically is the same steps, but they're broke down like into smaller, smaller Mm -hmm. steps. And so, um, it looked like me, every, they didn't realize what they were necessary. They knew what they were doing, Mm -hmm. but it was so incremental that by the time it was done and they had full blown research and results and Mm -hmm. write ups, they didn't realize that they had composed and done all of this work because Mm -hmm. I broke it down um, so much for them Mm -hmm. when it came to their specific sociological research Mm -hmm. for the um, polar research, sociological research symposium that um, Mm -hmm. I created and hosted here on campus. Mm -hmm. So they got to present to U of M faculty, staff, students, um and community members and so that was huge for them and that was another thing that kept them engaged the idea i said this is this is not just for the classroom (laughs) like these posters are not just gonna this is not gonna just be on an eight by ten piece of paper no we're getting this Mm -hmm. printed on 36 by 48 posters Mm -hmm. and you're and 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 it's gonna be huge and people Mm -hmm. will be able to see very clearly what you've done or what you haven't done Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. this is something that you care about what would you do if you felt like what you had to say could change somebody's mind or could teach somebody something mm-hmm. or could affirm somebody? Mm-hmm. What would you what would you do if you knew that your words had so much power and that your passion could be translated into a powerful vehicle mm-hmm. of knowledge? And everybody wants to have the things that they're passionate about mm-hmm. listened to. 
And so there really wasn't much of, um, there was no struggle for me Mm -hmm. to engage, to engage my scholars in this work because for the first time, for many of them, they felt like this is my choice. This is my voice Mm -hmm. and I'm being assisted with developing, um, developing a vehicle Mm -hmm. to have my voice heard. Right. And so as long as I was willing to scaffold everything and Mm -hmm. to break it down into the steps, Mm -hmm. they were, they were willing to follow and go with, go with it. Right. And can you talk a little bit more about like breaking it down into steps? So are you talking about like having different, like, you know, assignment due every week where they have to sort of something like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I broke it down into about, it was anywhere from seven to 10 steps, the research process. So it started off with just. What is the social problem? Like, what is a, a social problem? If if sociology is the study of social problems, mm-hmm. what is a social problem that matters to you? Mm-hmm. You know, simple. What What is a social problem that matters to you? And for many of my scholars, they chose topics um, ranging from um, educational inequality, mm-hmm. um, um, police brutality, mm-hmm. um, uh, maternal, um, disproportionate maternal... Um, mortality rates amongst Mm -hmm. African-American women or just women across the African diaspora. Um, Yeah, those those were their type of topics. They were topics that they personally related to and Mm -hmm. that, oh, gender inequality Mm -hmm. in the K-12 setting. And um, I helped them to frame that their topics should be centered on um, a high school setting. Mm-hmm. So I help them with setting up like their um, their research samples, so to say. Right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna say we're gonna use we're gonna do a convenience sample. You guys mm-hmm. are here at the school, so you are going to be looking for the perspective or the experiences of um, you know North High School students, grades mm-hmm. nine through twelve. So mm-hmm. that helped, and then and then I framed it as well. What do you want to know? Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Mm-hmm. Or what do you want others to know? Right. You know, so framing those questions in a different way. Like I knew that they, I was helping them to develop their research questions, mm-hmm. but I broke the research. They answered about four different questions <laughs> in order to formulate their research questions. So right. what is the question that you want to ask? Whose perspective are you seeking? Mm-hmm. Um, um, where, where, in what setting, right? Mm-hmm. What setting will you be conducting this research or will your information come from? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a sample question might've been, um, what is the perspective of high school students, grades nine through 12 on gender inequality? Mm-hmm. Right. I right. mean, super, super, um, basic, yeah. But getting at the getting at the premise and the overall point. And right. then so that was one assignment mm-hmm. was the and I used Google Classroom. So they submitted everything you online. Oh, and yeah. so they the first assignment was topic selection. The second assignment that they had to submit for was their actual research question. Mm-hmm. But they had to answer a series of four questions and then take those answers and and it would be a research question with a little cleanup. 
Um, and then the next step was um, finding five to seven sources that mm-hmm. talk about this particular topic. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So teaching them, you know, what's scholarly, what's non-scholarly, mm-hmm. um, what's credible, what's non-credible, giving them the res- um, the, the elm for you, for instance, was the primary search engine that we used. Mm-hmm. We used Google scholar. Mm-hmm. We used, um, we used Google, just right. regular Google search, right. Teaching them about the difference between a scholarly article and a newspaper article. Right. Mm-hmm. But saying that they can both serve a purpose. Right. Right. And then, so there was that. So they had to gather those five to seven sources. That was another assignment. They had to mm-hmm. have them and then they had to have them cited. Mm-hmm. So they were building their bibliography as they were going along. Mm -hmm. Then the next assignment was to annotate, read and annotate thoroughly Mm -hmm. each of the, each of the sources. Yeah. So in essence, kind of, you know, their lit review, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of messy, but Mm -hmm. ultimately, um, their lit review. So they went through and they, they annotated. And then from there, then they were responsible for identifying because it was a short period of time. We had six weeks. Right. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I would love for you all to be able to do in-person interviews, mm-hmm. but for the purpose of this assignment, I'm going to have you do surveys. Mm-hmm. So in essence, it'll be a, it'll be a mixed methods. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be mixed methods research and you'll be um, creating Google surveys. Mm-hmm. And so they create, so then they had to create 10 questions mm-hmm. that they felt would get at the question that they ultimately wanted answered, right? right? So then they created their Google surveys and then they had to identify anywhere from 10 to 20 people within their sample, mm-hmm. you know, ninth through 12th grade in at North High School mm-hmm. that would take their survey. And then they had to submit the survey to these people and have them take it. Mm-hmm. So that was another assignment. Then it was the analysis of their survey results and Google surveys sets it up where they put everything in bar graphs for you and everything. Mm-hmm. So then I said, I want you to go through your 10 question survey and they had all kinds of formats of questions. They had short answer, long answer, mm-hmm. um, you know, multiple choice. And so they, then I said, I want you to go and pick three, three mm-hmm. questions that who, which responses you felt would help to paint the picture right. um, of your study. Mm-hmm. And so they went through, they selected their questions, and then they wrote up like a splurb on each of the results. Mm-hmm. Then I had them put the actual graphics from the survey, the um, pie charts and things like that, onto their posters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they wrote up the little splurb, which became their results section. Right. And then um, and their annotation um, became their lit review slash background. Mm-hmm. And then the last step was for them to um, create a conclusion or like um, Mm -hmm. an analysis of their findings. They did more of a conclusion. um, And I had them talk about what they found, but what they would like to see. Yeah. And ultimately, if they were to further this research, what would they like to be brought to light? How would they like it to be brought to light? What type of changes would they like to see made Mm -hmm. from this type of academic research? Mm -hmm. Um, And then their bibliographies. And so all of those components were assignments. Mm -hmm. And 
and I had them actually filling them out like in Google Docs, like each section. So then mm-hmm. it was literally copying and pasting mm-hmm. each section into the poster format. Mm-hmm. Um, template that I gave all of them and then the fun part was them getting to decorate their posters and um, having their their names mm-hmm. you know on the poster and then coming up with a creative title for right. their posters and right. then um, you know having North High School underneath and some right. of them put like the polar um, logos like right. on the right. ends of their posters just for decoration and then um Dr. Naeem Mayuin, he actually, he hosted us. He 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 paid for everything mm-hmm. for us to come to campus. He got the posters printed, um, got the space for us, provided the food, sent out a mass email to CEHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, like, every, and the people came. Yeah. And, I mean, I got them some T-shirts made that said, um more than a student, I am a scholar. Mm-hmm. And they wore those the day of the presentation. And I mean, like, it literally, it just brought me to tears because it was yeah. like, I don't know what impact this will have. I don't right. I don't think in, in the form of impact. Mm-hmm. But I think to myself, if sociology changed my life, right? I sometimes I, I think and I say, it's the most wonderful accident that ever happened to me, but what if it never happened? Right. And so if there's no other legacy and no other part of my teaching that I am proud of, I'm proud of the fact that I was able to introduce the discipline to my scholars while they were still in high school. And some of them were high school seniors, but some were freshmen. My class was mixed. So I had all grades. Mm-hmm. And the 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 large portion of those that presented mm-hmm. were freshmen. Wow. wow. And so, you know, people, you know, for the Star Tribune article, you know, I was asked, like, how did you get them engaged? I said, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how quickly a young person will engage when you include them in their education. Wow. It's, right. it's really not rocket science. Mm-hmm. They want to be involved. Right. They're brilliant beyond measure. Mm -hmm. And when you show them that you know that and you expect that they perform as a result of that belief, Mm -hmm. then they perform. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a question of me developing or or creating anything that wasn't already there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I always tell I I don't take credit for their genius. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's innate. Right. I'm just providing you with a vocabulary and some sociological um, understanding. Mm-hmm. So in historical understanding and political understanding so that you are able to not only understand, but analyze, critically engage, mm-hmm. think, articulate, um, change, mm-hmm. change what you don't like. Absolutely. That's powerful, powerful words. Um, in that, in that, uh, Star Tribune article, you talked a little bit about how you taught, how you taught your students, um, with some of the, the works of, of Du Bois, uh, including Du Bois, like, were there other sociologists who were really key in sort of shaping how you teach 
sociology to high school students? Were there people that your students were really interested to learn from or, or get their perspective? Like, who are the, the scholars in sociology that really inspire your teaching? Um, Du Bois. Yes. Like, he's <laughs> like, yeah, he's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the course was, I actually named the course The Sociology of W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, wow. And okay. so I taught them from his frameworks. Mm-hmm. Um, we read a lot of his readings. Mm-hmm. Um, we started off with um, The Souls of Black Folk. Right. And so we went very, we went very conventional. We looked at, we went from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. We looked at everyday social interactions, everyday realities and mm-hmm. then analyze them through the main three frameworks of sociology but the critical the critical um framework yeah was one that my scholars just immediately gravitated to right they also were very much so um engaged by the symbolic interactionism mm-hmm. um they love they love that framework um one of the critical sociologists outside of the boys that they really, really um, were moved by and inspired by was Karl Marx. Yeah. Um, they they just really mm-hmm. were moved by his work. So mainly, it was the critical scholars right. um, that they that they flocked to. But I was very intentional of focusing in primarily on. Du Bois yeah. in his work just because of the way that um, he has been ultimately blacklisted from a lot of mainstream sociology. He's a father of sociology and he's not acknowledged as such. Mm-hmm. And so the course in his design was meant to pay homage to him mm-hmm. and for my scholars to understand that found the foundation of this subject matter came from the mind of a black man mm-hmm. who came from humble beginnings, similar to you mm-hmm. who was moved by his own social experience, Mm -hmm. who was moved by the social problems that he felt were not normative and shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And he was fueled by that from the time he was a child. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that, and that could be you. Mm -hmm. And this could be the impact that you have. Right. And then the legacy that you leave. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said I was intentional in focusing in on his works and, you know, and just making a lot of the content based around the social experiences and realities of my scholars right. on a day to day basis. That was another way that I engaged them because it was like so- sociology is everything. Right. Right. You can sociologically analyze everything. Mm-hmm. If it's social, if it involves people, it can be analyzed. And so when you are a sociologist, you know how to flip it inside out. I can start from the top mm-hmm. and come down, right? I can start at a macro level and then come down to micro, or I can go from micro to macro. And I chose to go micro to macro on a consistent basis because right. it helped my scholars to see themselves in the discipline and to see themselves as sociologists. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, well, one of the things that, that I was also really struck by um, in the article was that you talked about emancipatory education mm-hmm. and your role as, as an, as an educator um, whose goal is, is to emancipate. And so, 
I, I wanted to sort of ask you a little bit about what you mean by that mm-hmm. and how that um, how you how you how that informs the teaching that you do. Mm-hmm. So I believe that education is a very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's a very powerful and it's it's a powerful concept, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes it doesn't do what it's said to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, what is called education is actually indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Um, or miseducation, mm-hmm. and but that's not talked about. And so when I refer to myself as an emancipatory educator, I am speaking of the act of teaching and mm-hmm. unteaching, mm-hmm. the miseducation and the degradative indoctrinating or the the, the doctrines mm-hmm. that have been taught to my scholars that have made them believe that they are inferior that who they who they come from is inferior that all things that are affiliated with who they are mm-hmm. are inferior mm-hmm. and that they are innately that way um therefore affecting who they are their life chances the way they show up in the world um and ultimately what they do Mm-hmm. with their lives in their education. And so everything I do, I go for broke in trying to undo much of what they've been taught, trying to trying to build them up, mm-hmm. trying to um trying to magnify their voices so that they can hear their brilliance. Yeah. You know, um and that's emancipatory. Because it frees your mind and therefore your body follows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I I believe in the old adage that when you know better, you do better, mm-hmm. right? And so my belief is that if, if someone is telling you and therefore teaching you and giving you foundational information that supports this, this, this claim mm-hmm. that you are not inferior and that you are brilliant and that your voice is profound mm-hmm. and that you bring much to the table and that what you have to say and your experiences are valid and that they should be spoken about and heard about um, and that you can come into spaces that weren't originally designed for you and do very well and move not only yourself, but your family and your community to different places and different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone to to believe that and then to be crazy enough to act on it in their in their in their teaching and in their pedagogy, um, you can't help but to be freed from mm-hmm. you can't help but to be freed from the lies, from um the misconceptions, from um the mental slavery mm-hmm. that ultimately is forced upon you just by way of indoctrination and normal and normalizing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I feel I owe that to my scholars because right. when I graduated from high school, there were many chains on me. Mm-hmm. Even, even graduating and coming here to the U mentally, I was still very oppressed because mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know, who I was. Yeah. 
And all I knew was what I was taught, Mm -hmm. which was negative things. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately affected the way I showed up in the world. Mm -hmm. But when I learned different and I accepted that as truth, I was emancipated. I was free mentally and everything I've done physically um, after the fact Mm -hmm. has been a direct result of that, the unchaining of my mind, my spirit, my, my being. Mm -hmm. And I have never experienced anything like that in my life, but knowing that, the very tool that is used to indoctrinate can also be used to emancipate. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it was the tool, the very tool that emancipated me in my mind, I had no choice but to Mm -hmm. attempt to um, replicate that in my teaching because Mm -hmm. my scholars deserve that. They deserve that. And it's, and it's a communal thing. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I necessarily can give them. They have to They have to give. I have to give. We have to come to the table. We have to both agree that they have to agree that they're going to learn from me. I have to agree I'm going to learn from them. Mm-hmm. I have to agree that I'm going to teach them. And they have to agree that they're going to teach me. Mm-hmm. And all of that is very vulnerable. And it requires a level of intimacy that many people think doesn't apply to education. But for somebody to listen to you and take your word as bond, mm-hmm. that is not your kin. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a very very strong. That's a huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Right. And I believe the only way that it happens and it happens genuinely yeah. is when you show from the beginning that you believe mm-hmm. that you believe in the power of educating and undoing miseducation yeah um and therefore emancipating absolutely i thought you had a really great point when you said uh that you learn from your students yes and i i just wanted to ask about that like what is it that you learn that you've learned from from teaching sociology to your Mm -hmm. high school students what lessons have you walked away from uh by doing that the first thing that I've learned is that young people listen and they see and mm-hmm. they understand everything. Mm-hmm. They understand what's happening socially in this world mm-hmm. and it affects them deeply. Mm-hmm. And they don't get to turn it off because they're kids. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get, no, it affects them. They swim in it every day. Mm -hmm. And because of that hands-on experience with the social and societal ills, Mm -hmm. it is vital that they have an opportunity to get out of the the ocean Mm -hmm. and to actually oversee Mm-hmm. oversee the entire the entire entity mm-hmm. and be able to say you know I'm gonna pick this area today to clean up mm-hmm. this is the pol- this is the polluted sea I'm out of the water mm-hmm. and now I get to see it from the overhead view mm-hmm. and I'm gonna choose which parts I want to clean up which parts I want to be a part of mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Making better. Right. And that's what that's what I I learned that if from them, if you mm-hmm. open it up, they will come and they will invest everything into making that learning opportunity and that learning space one of uh, of great just of just deep deeply profound mm-hmm. moments um i learned that i learned that there's n- that they are me and i am them mm-hmm. we're very similar mm-hmm. um i learned how to teach yeah from them mhm um, I didn't know how to teach yeah. <laughs> before I learned, before I knew how to teach. Right. But they, those scholars taught me how to teach. Mm-hmm. Those scholars created a finalist for Minnesota Teacher of the Year. Mm-hmm. They created that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was just Courtney Bell from North Minneapolis with a huge chip on my shoulder, mm-hmm. angry with the social realities mm-hmm. and wanting to do something about it. Right. right? I got out of, I, I, I got to step out of the ocean for a little bit and, and I chose North high to be my spot that I was going to try to work through some of the, you know, to help clean up. Mm-hmm. Right. And they helped me with that. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it all, they helped me to become an educator. Right. I wasn't an educator when I started. I didn't know. I didn't know the first thing about teaching. Mm-hmm. So they taught me how to teach. That's the most profound thing they taught me was right. how to teach. They taught me how to be how to be humble. Yeah. They taught me that regardless of your level of education and how much you think you know. Mm-hmm. That if you are not going to invest in a relationship with them, then it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, they taught me how to laugh at myself and not to take myself so seriously mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, you know, and and resilience, mm-hmm. like seeing resilience organically every yeah. day, you can't help but to be motivated by that. When I wanted to stop and when I felt overwhelmed and fatigued by these by these systematic um, atrocities, mm-hmm. you know, they kept me coming back. They kept me doing it. They kept me wanting to find a solution. Yeah. So I, I, I tell them all the time, you know, I owe... I owe any and everything that comes from my life from here on out. I owe it to you all. Mm-hmm. You know, my dissertation will be dedicated to my kids. Mm-hmm. My scholars, they they taught me everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this doctorate, this doctorate is, is not only mine. This doctorate belongs to them. It belongs to my community. It belongs to those who whose voices I hold within me. Mm-hmm. And who have given me the courage to speak because they have the courage to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, powerful, powerful words. Um, Thank you. Well, I just, to to sort of close out, I just wanted to ask you, like, what advice can you give to other teachers who are also trying to teach sociology to high school students, especially teachers who are interested in how they can sort of use uh, sociological tools for social justice? Like, what Mm -hmm. advice do you have for them? Um, use, 
use the stories and the realities and the and the social experiences of the scholars in your class. Mm-hmm. Like, start off with the with the micro with the micro analysis. What is happening in your day to day life? What don't you like? What social problems um, affect you? Mm-hmm. You know. What what's something as doctoral students we're told your your dissertation topic should be something that you're very passionate about right. because you're gonna have to want to keep <laughs> coming back to it you're gonna have to want to stick with it even when you're tired mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's the same advice for K twelve educators that are teaching sociology you need to engage the scholars in their realities and their lives in the education if not then it's going to fall on his face sociology how can you ever teach about societal problems social interaction um social beings and Mm -hmm. not include Mm -hmm. not include your scholars as social beings who have real social interactions social realities that they deal with and that they face every day right like the work is done for you right and so um you know, engage them in that. Um, you know, the way that you frame, framing the course. From the beginning, I said to my scholars, you are sociologists. Mm-hmm. You may not know it yet, but you are sociologists. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I all my belief is that there is no one that walks the earth that understands social ills more than the socially oppressed. Right. And so use that, Mm -hmm. use that, use the whole world as your stage, Mm -hmm. use the world as, as your stage, use the world, use the world, look at the world as if it's in your Petri dish and you're looking at it through a magnifying lens. Which part do you want to analyze? Which part do you want to focus on? And not your world as a teacher, but the world of your scholars, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, give them that freedom and magnify their voices. Mm-hmm. You're not giving them a voice. You're simply putting a microphone. You're just you're just bringing a microphone and saying, here, mm-hmm. I can develop the platform, but I want your voice. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And I that's probably my... And, and just believing that and not being afraid of letting, of relinquishing control mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the classroom and of the content. You have to be willing to remove yourself and to be a facilitator and understand right. that your perspective is just that, yours. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to give them relevant understanding and you have to teach, you have to go back and forth between, you know, of course, you know, they, they need to know about, you know, the, the, um, foundational frameworks of sociology, you know, but that doesn't need to be the bulk of the class. Mm -hmm. I would recommend that an intro to sociology course needs to be applied and mm-hmm. as hands-on as possible and that there needs to be some type of project-based learning option um, as a summative. Um, in, and in my case, it was sociological research. Right. 
Well, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. Uh, really happy to have you. Powerful, powerful words. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This week's episode of Office Hours was produced by me. Matthew Aguilar Shampoo is a part of the Society Pages at the University of Minnesota. You can find more content over at the societypages.org.